recorded live, Union Inn, Washington, D.C., 1112, 3rd Street, Northeast. We are Steps to Nomagayudet Metro. Nice, brisk walk to Union Station. And a leisurely jaw to the Capitol, Capitol Hill. I am the illustrious Innkeeper Freddy, host extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Guestbook Podcast. Yes, 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 ladies and gentlemen, Guestbook Podcast. This is going to be a spicy podcast, y'all. One of the most fastest listened to podcasts that we did is a little nine minute thing that we did back at the beginning of August with a nice young, beautifully voiced lady by the name of Christina DiBianchi. <laughs> She's back by popular demand. Oh my God. <laughs> and this is her song. <laughs> Who's this? CC, CCR. Is this pre-Russell Wilson Sierra or post-Russell Wilson Sierra? Post. <laughs> okay. Why'd you choose this song? It's a good running song, but also, it's just, I don't know, Sierra's happy. I feel happy. I like it. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Hey. Love, love. Yeah, I it's- feel like this is a, um, a soul cycle song. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a song that inspires me to get my life together. So it's another reason why I like it. No doubt. What does she mean when she says this yummy all in your tummy? <sighs> we talked about this. I don't know. I I suspect she is saying to enjoy this moment. That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I promise we're only going to spend a short amount of time on her career as a amazing runner before we get to the, the meat of this podcast. But first, when did you start running? <laughs> third grade. Wow, it was a race, and I was third place. But it, that's all I needed, just the bug to keep me pushing and when did you start racing competitively high school yeah I tried the 200 I wasn't good <laughs> I tried the 100 I was even worse but the 400 I realized a lot of the girls just couldn't do it and I was like I'm gonna perfect this I'm gonna work on this so yeah did you do hurdles as well I did at what grade or age did you start doing long distance running uh junior year yeah I remember this I had gone to a new school and I remember a few of the girls on the team were like yeah you know you're really not that good at distance so like maybe you shouldn't try out next year that's just mm-hmm. that's just bad parenting right there that was high school girls were mean and uh, I made sure that whole summer before my senior year I would run every single day in the heat my mom thought I was crazy I was lifting I don't know I don't know where that like it was like I wanted to prove them wrong and I didn't expect to like 
outpace all the girls. I just wanted to be better. And then uh, our first cross country meet, I beat everyone's butt except the captains. And the captain, she wasn't mean to me ever, but she was just like, girl, where did the speed come from? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I remember y'all hating on me. (laughs) So, yeah. Pardon my ignorance. Does cross country fall under track or are they two separate things? That's a good question. They are, I would say, two separate things because the seasons would be different. So, like, cross country would always be in the fall, indoor track in the winter, and then outdoor track in the spring. And I would just run all year round. So, in the summer, I'd run on my own. Did you find that track helped your speed in cross country that's a good question Mm, i thought it was the other way around i thought that cross country helped me with my 400 meters good so i don't ever need to do track tuesdays no that is not the case i suggest doing track tuesdays because keisha helps you work on your balance your mobility your stability which are all components that you need in order to be a successful long distance runner i haven't fallen over at all it's not that. I mean, if you improve your stride, that alone could help you get faster. Touche. Yeah. And the speed workouts help you just start and end a race really well. Did you run in college? Yes. <laughs> I ran like for a year. Where'd you go? I went to the illustrious Howard University. <laughs> HBCU love. Shout out. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> that was a tough year, man. Ooh. Cross country again or cross country and track? Yeah, both. So my first year, I was 17. My mom did not want me to run competitively. She wanted me to focus on my studies. So she wouldn't sign the waiver for me to run track Mm. and do school at the same time. So I couldn't walk on. So that was my goal. I was like, let me walk on my first year and then like earn my scholarship. So then I, yeah. Because you were 17. Yep. Mm. And I had the disadvantage because I didn't run my freshman year. So my sophomore year, I took on cross country. I did track as well. I also was in the Air Force. ROTC? ROTC, yeah. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that long term. But, you know, at the time they were trying to recruit more physics majors. So I took on like 18 credits, 19 credits. I did Air Force in the morning. So I would be up at 5 a.m. working out. And then I'd have classes and then I'd go straight to cross country or track practice, then weight room and then eat and do it all over again. That's where you get those Angela Bassett's. Okay. My arms are a product of my parents. (laughs) My dad has biceps for days. (laughs) He also used to be in the weight room all the time when I was growing up. So, okay, there you go. Mm -hmm. What was your major in undergrad? Physics. So... Oh, had the dream of being a plasma physicist from the age of 12. And <laughs> I did a couple of internships uh, in college that changed my mind. Hmm. So uh, I had the opportunity to work at University of Wisconsin-Madison. I really enjoyed working with Ellen Zweibel. She was one of my favorite astrophysicists. She's just amazing. That research experience was pretty positive. The internship that changed my mind It was a very hard internship to get. I will say that. One, it was hard. Two, there are very few minorities in that department, let alone majoring in physics and something in experimental physics as well. I should just say which school. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) it was at Princeton and 
Princeton only recruited like three of us from Howard University. So we were the only three minority students from an HBCU. How many people were in the program totally? I think like 70. Okay. And literally I can count how many girls were in there. I think it was only five or six. This is like a feeder program for something. Yeah. So um, this was the Princeton plasma physics department. They, they, they were able to pull so many different students from all over the country. I remember meeting a guy from Maine. That was the first time I ever met anyone from the state of Maine. So being in that space was interesting because I've always wanted to intern at Princeton. I always wanted to work at that department because it was number one in the country. And I was excited about the work. The experience was very difficult. I will say this. My friends that I met through that program, a lot of them had positive experiences from it. Okay. They now have become full-time researchers in jet propulsion and plasma, you know, astronomy research. They found their niche, right? For me, I found out that summer that that wasn't for me. And I will say that there are groups of people who would highly benefit in that type of a work environment. For me, it just wasn't. Okay. Graduated? I did. Mm-hmm. How'd you get into teaching? That's a great question. So at the time when I was living in Berkeley, I was in this small Asian church. Everyone's amazing there. They all went to UC Berkeley. So, you know, everyone's pretty competitive there. And I did remember meeting a young principal. He was 26, 27 years old at the time. And he was looking for a math tutor slash teacher. And he, you know, he sent it out in the listserv for the church or whatever. And I got it. And I was like, hmm, like, you know, I need something to do over the summer. And I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to go back to D.C. So I hit him up. I was like, hey, I am not interested in teaching. But I'm very happy to help you because I know you're a great and solid person. He's like, all right, come on in. Meet my kids. Man, go to downtown Oakland. Go in this building. It's like some regular, you know, gray building with, you know, just office space. There's no cafeteria, nothing. You see these little kids, seventh graders. And I remember one of them. uh, What's his name? Waleed. This kid, he was struggling with pre-algebra and I was like look this is easy Waleed like we could do this together and he's like no I mean I don't want to do this no more this sucks and I spent like 30 minutes with him he understood the concept and then right after that mind you my friend who was at the church who's the principal he's watching and he's like yo I really think that you should do this like I want you to take this full-time teaching position that I have offered for next year I was like no I'm good man so I walk out of the building and I feel like the sense of like purpose, like I feel like I did the greatest thing in the world. I helped somebody out. I really gave them something that no one could take away from them. It felt so good. And I don't think I've ever felt that way in any of the research I've done or anything that I've involved myself in because everything else was pretty self-seeking. Like, oh, I want to be a plasma physicist because I'll be a doctor. You know, I would be so popular. You know, there's this this crap that, you know, you fill yourself up with because people think that you're just some enigma and they think that you're just so rare and amazing. And that's how people treated me, you know. And then when you tell people like, hey, I'm a teacher, it's like, oh. 
but I know the type of work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's giving back. Yep. So, yeah. Did you take that position? I took the job. Can't believe it. <laughs> In Oakland? Yes. How many years did you do that job? One year. Okay. Why only one year? <laughs> That's a great question. At the time, I was deciding if I wanted to go back into graduate school. And I talked to my pastor. Shout out to Suki. That's my homegirl. And I told her, I said, look, I applied to graduate school, you know, a couple years ago. I really want to do physics, but I don't know if this is for me or if it's just to fulfill my heart in the sense that I'm this pompous you know, over the top person, you know, just say like you go to dinner parties and you're like, I am a doctor, you know, I I didn't want to do that. And it didn't fill me up like teaching did. So it really tore me up that I would go to graduate school just to have that title. So I told her, I said, look, I want to go back to graduate school in order to work on my craft, work on my pedagogy. She's like, I think that's a great idea. Go to the best school in the country. And so the best school in the country for that was University of Michigan for secondary teaching. Okay. How many years were you at University of Michigan? One year because I made sure I got in and out. Wow. <laughs> it was like a three semester type deal. And you just loaded up on all your classes? All of it. Mm-hmm. I was teaching. Teaching full time? I was teaching full time. Secondary education or? Secondary. So I was teaching physics and engineering classes in Ipsy. What's Ipsy. Ypsilanti Community High School. Okay. So I was in Michigan doing that. I would take the bus, you know, and then after that, I'd come back home, do my homework, go to class in the evening. I mean, it was rough. That was the roughest year. Still running? Here and there. (laughs) I still worked out. Yes, that's true. I was on the treadmill. So three semesters came out with what degree? A master's in secondary education and physics. Okay. From there, did you go back to Oakland? Did you go back to D.C. or did you go somewhere else? (laughs) I went through a lot of interviews and a lot of soul searching. I wanted to go somewhere where I would impact urban communities. And I had a, a couple of long conversations about this with some friends of mine. And I said the best place for me to do that would be back in D.C. So I went through like the University of Michigan alumni network. I found someone who went there. Actually, I can tell you who it is, AC Lane. And uh, AC is just the dopest person. She went to Spelman and she was an engineer. She told me, look, you should work for DCPS. You should come out here, you'll do great work. I'll link you up with someone else. And then literally it was history after that. Boom. Where did you teach? I taught in Southeast DC. It's a small high school. (laughs) What subjects did you teach? (laughs) I taught physics, computer science, the AP courses, and I sometimes took some time to teach other classes. I was a swim coach for one year. I also made sure that my students were always in the weight room. So I would just do that on the side. I'd be like, yo, we about to get this workout in. Let's go. So, yeah. I mean, I did that on the side because I just loved doing that on my own for years kids thought I was a track coach but nope wasn't because <laughs> they would see me coming into work with my bike and they would see me during lunchtime running and so they were just like do you coach track and I'm like I wish you guys I wish and I 
also had robotics programs. Yeah, you had mentioned coding earlier. Uh, was mm-hmm. the coding part of the robotics program that you were doing? Right, yeah. Is that typical of schools in D.C.? Uh, yes and no. There are about three schools, including the one I worked at, that had coding courses that were offered and robotics. What were some of the positives that you took from your experience teaching at this school? I learned that all my students could learn, every single one of them. I learned that they also have something to teach me. So you can sit here and think that you're the best in your topic area, and there's going to be one kid who asks you a question that blows your mind. You go back to the drawing board, and you're like, oh, man, let me just go and figure that out for that for that one kid. I've also learned that my coworkers cannot dictate my happiness. People will challenge you when you're doing good. And people will challenge you when you're actually making a difference. Hmm. And I learned that your students are your friends. Like they actually want what's good for you and vice versa. And so if they tell you, look, you need to go back to, you know, X, Y, and Z, listen to them. Like for the most part, when you build that rapport with them, they're not out here to come for your life and destroy you. They mean well. How did you overcome the challenges that you faced? That's a great question. A lot of prayer. (laughs) It's important. The first day of school, there was a student who called me a bitch. Literally the first day. Yeah. And you just let it roll off your back. Because you don't know. You don't know why they would say that. Mm -hmm. You don't know what they're going through. And for me, I was like, look, in order for me to reach this student, I'm going to have to build some sort of relationship, some rapport, respect. And that's not going to be done overnight. This is a student in your class. Yes. Okay. And I had her again a year later. You know, very girl asked me for a recommendation letter. I was like, that's tough, you know, because you don't want to say anything bad. At the same time, you also realize that you cannot allow what a child says to you hurt your feelings Hmm. point blank that and i had a lot of conversations with my sister my brother-in-law and we would talk about just how people in the in the school atmosphere or the people were in charge i'm trying to be very careful with how i word this I understand. I just don't want to say like, oh, they don't care. But I will say that people, they have their agenda. And what kept me sane was that I was 100% authentic with my students. So you said it was challenging. Yes, it was. So, I mean, the way I handled it, it was like, look, Christina, just do what is right. And do it to the fullest. And everything else will come together. So now, starting this year, you're pretty much coming full circle from (laughs) how you got into it. You're going to be starting as a 7th and 8th grade math teacher. I know. At a charter school here in the district. I'm working with middle schoolers again. So it's it's kind of strange because I've been working with high schoolers and Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, they don't, they are not as quirky as me and 
they're funny because they're like, you're just so weird, man, but we will always remember you. And I'm just like, okay, I need a group of students who would appreciate my quirkiness. Middle schoolers. (laughs) Hey, and you're hitting these kids right at the inflection point too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like my kids who I taught in Oakland my first year, they were eighth graders. Until this day, they still talk to me and tell me like, hey, thank you for teaching me how to do my laundry, how to do taxes. Thank you for just telling me like I can do it. Thank you for telling me to apply to Howard, even though I'm going to USC. Uh, Mm. But still, you know, those conversations, you never think that they're going to remember those. mm -hmm. And they do. Yeah. It's crazy. And I'm sure should you decide to go back to teaching physics again, Mm -hmm. this background teaching math will also help in reinforcing some of the concepts in physics because math underlies everything. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it'll help. Yeah, definitely. I think that for years... You know, the way that the education school system is going right now, they're like, everything needs to be hands on, highly inquiry based. And this would give me the opportunity to see, okay, what do kids really understand about math and what do they need help with and what do they need in order to be successful in physics? Because working with my students like for the past three years in physics, I realized like their math wasn't the strongest. And so now I'm like able to go back in time for some of them. I mean, not the ones I worked with, but the new ones now, right? Mm-hmm. And help them. Okay. Last question before the seven questions. Will you be doing anything uh, after school or within the school with respect to coding to like teach them hold clinics or workshops or anything? No, I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Because I need to make sure that my lesson plans are tight. Gotcha. Because if I can teach a kid how to do math well, mm-hmm. then they can do everything else tight as well. Okay. Ready for seven questions? Yes. What's it called, y'all? It's the questions. It's the questions. Wait, it's the questions. It's the questions. Yeah, the questions. Question one. Book to add to the library. It's the questions. Come on. It's called Lilith's Brood. No, no, no. Yeah, it's Lilith's Brood. It's a three book series in one. And the first one I'm reading is Dawn from Octavia Butler. I'm sorry. So there's Lilith's Brood, Kindred, and Dawn. They're all part of the same. No, 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 no. Lilith's Brood is like a series. Oh, I thought that was the book. No, no, no. And Kindred is not in that one. It's a book. No, look, 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 look. There's a collection of three works. Exactly. Three volumes of this science fiction. Dawn, Adult Rights, and Imago. Right. So right now I'm reading Dawn. Can you buy Just Dawn? Yes. Okay. So right now I'm reading it. It's pretty decent. I have always enjoyed Octavia Butler's books. I've read Kindred. I've read The Parable of the Sower. The entire series in that um, compilation. So I think this book right now is a go-to. For those that don't know, Octavia Butler is an African-American lady who has been writing science fiction pretty much since the 80s, correct? Yeah, but she passed away recently. Oh, that's sad. I would say maybe a year or two ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, so her works are just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I would say she's kind of like the Toni Morrison of science fiction, so. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number two, podcast to subscribe. Easy. Yours. Okay. And, 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 and. Mm -hmm. My Leek Teals. <laughs> How you spell that? M Y L E I K T E 
E-L-E. Okay. What's it about? Wow. Everything, business, being a professional, making it out in the real world. My leak is the owner of Curlbox. She's just absolutely stunning. Her advice is take charge. Get it done. I love her. She's great. The name of the podcast is called My Taught You? Absolutely. Okay. And it's by Miley Teal? Yes. Okay. I've been listening to it for the past couple of years. It's great. My Taught You with a Y-O-U. And it's all one word. Yes. Okay. Number three, something you didn't know that you needed until you got it. I would say my Capital Share Bike Key Fob. And I'm going to tell you why. I didn't know I needed it because... One day I'm trying to head to work, right? And I usually take my bike. Okay, it's not my bike. It's the rental bike. And I left my key fob at home. And so you have to go through your phone and log in like the the numbers that they give you. And you have to populate it in their keypad. And it took forever just to get there, you know, to just unlock a bike. And I'm like, look, I'm trying to get to work. So my key fob is my go-to. When I'm trying to avoid traffic, when I'm trying to avoid random students, you know, chasing me. I mean, it's it's the thing to have. You can only get one of those if you get an annual membership, correct? Yeah, it's $85 a year. But as a teacher, it's $25. What? Yes. <laughs> they got friends and family on that? Nope. Number four, bucket list place to travel. This is a place in the world that you have been to that you would recommend the listeners add to their bucket list. Lisbon, Portugal. Mm. absolutely beautiful very diverse shoot if a place has amazing sangria on the fly on top of a castle with mm-hmm. amazing food and everyone's really nice yeah and their beaches pink sand green waters Nice. You need to go, y'all. Y'all need to go. Yes. And this is the second time on the podcast that city's been recommended. I think the first time was with uh, Sharif Mitchell. Episode 46. Yeah. And I like it because it's a place that I would actually consider living long term simply because they have black hair care products. <laughs> so it makes me feel very welcome. <laughs> you speak Portuguese? Not at all. How about Spanish? Nope. Italian? Nope. French? A little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, we haven't even covered that in the podcast. He's of Haitian descent. Hey. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and she can speak Creole pretty fluently. Thank you. Number five, 50 mile detour restaurant. You'd be willing to go 50 miles out of your way just to eat there. Kith and Ken. Wow. I love that place. I mean, I went there for my birthday that my friend uh, Erica put me on and I was like, girl, they have the best drinks. They have the best chicken. They have the best everything. I mean, everything on that menu is exquisite. They make really great plantains, sweet plantains. Their rice, their beans. I mean, everything. It's Caribbean food, but it's just, it's just great. Beautiful dining. And the executive chef there, Kwame Onwat. Chi Anuwachi, I'm sorry I'm butchering your name, man. Mm-hmm. Um, he, along with Tom Cunanan, who's the guy from Bad Saint, mm-hmm. took home James Beard Awards 2019 this year. Uh, Tom Cunanan got it for 
best mid-Atlantic restaurant, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Kwame got it for Rising Star. And I believe that's out of everyone in the United States, if not the world. Mm-hmm. So, so that says a lot. Yeah. Congratulations to him, especially considering the ride he's had in D.C. since when he first had his first restaurant over there in Shaw. I can't remember the name of it. Me neither. Yeah. But it was one of those ones where he was trying to go the mini bar route mm-hmm. where it's like three hundred dollars a seating type deal. And then they just shut the restaurant. I want to say after a year, yeah, maybe a little bit longer. And then he had to regroup, came back. Won that award, so mm-hmm. perseverance, yo. Place is popping. Straight up. Mm-hmm. Number six, your number one skill. I will say my ability to be patient, and not, I'm not saying in the, you know, oh, I'm patient and like, you know, waiting in line or something, but being patient with teaching. Like my mom mentioned this, she saw me teaching one of her. Um, friend's daughters but when she was 10 I remember I was just helping her with like math and reading and my mom's like I would have been done with her in five minutes I mean you guys are literally going in circles and I'm like we're not I'm just trying to figure out what she needs and I think that's a skill that I've grown to build every year I don't know I remember that my first year teaching it was like not as refined and now I'm like I'm more understanding I'm more open and I'm okay with taking my time with students so yeah that's good (laughs) definitely a quality teachers need good teachers need (laughs) lastly number one talent innate proficiency something you just had from birth I can scream at the top of my lungs I can literally scream at the top of my lungs, like down a hallway and everyone would know it's me. So screaming. When I say screaming, like I could, you know, bring a crowd together or like, (laughs) you know, just. Yeah. Having a loud voice. A loud voice. And when I say loud voice, not only just like vocally speaking, but I will advocate for people. So. Oh, that I like that makes sense. Yeah. I'd advocate loudly for you. Pun intended. (laughs) I like it. Got any social media that you want to (laughs) reshare? You know how many people have like listeners went off on me? Like, (laughs) I'll do it again for the for the groups. Alrighty, I can't wait. (laughs) So I only have two. Okay, so the first one is my Instagram at oranges.x. So O R A N G E S dot X. <laughs> What's the second one? Uh, the second one is my Twitter. Mm-hmm. And so this one is more like my work type teacher deal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, CLDE 16 teaches. That's it. All right. Yeah. So follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram and I will add you. Awesome. Awesome. Christina, thank you so much for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another 
wonderful episode of Guestbook Podcast. As always, if you want to reach me, innkeeper at unionndc.com. The website is the suffix, unionndc.com. I'm on IG. Got three handles. Guestbook Pod for the podcast, at unionndc for the end, and at innkeeperfreddy for my personal we're on SoundCloud right now, but at some point we're going to migrate to our own website and probably get a new host for this podcast. Because Apple Podcasts just released their new subcategories and SoundCloud doesn't support it. And I need better analytics to see where all my listeners are coming from, what they're gravitating towards, how long they're listening, and all that good stuff. So it's coming, y'all. Just wait. If you've been listening to me right now, Consider yourself one of the early adopters. I wouldn't say you're the innovator. Innovator for season one, season two. You're an early adopter, which is actually really great. That's where the most money's made. Pay too much pioneering costs if you're an innovator. Get off my podcast. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for listening, Christina. Thank you so much for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week. Bye. There's one kid that uh, surprised me. I remember he told me that he would never major in computer science. <laughs> and uh, he said, I'm going to be a basketball player. He's like, dude, stop playing. You're not, you're not even 6'3". So <laughs> we used to joke about that. And uh, I remember, you know, we do this thing for our seniors where we honor each one. Like when they get up to the stage, they say, hey, my name is so-and-so and I'm going to major in this in college, blah, 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 blah. And at the time, I didn't talk to him like all year because I hadn't seen him. And so he gets to the mic and he says, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm majoring in computer science. I said, what? Oh, my God. And I'm literally screaming and yelling like I had one kid. And that was my goal my first year working there. I said, if I can just get one kid to major in computer science, I would be the happiest teacher ever. Like I knew that that was all I needed. Mm -hmm. Like my working there wasn't, quote, unquote, to waste. And I'm not saying like working as a science teacher is the end all be all for urban kids and urban school districts in order to get out of poverty. But I knew I was like, you guys are capable. You are smart. Don't let this society tell you what you are and what you aren't. You got the skills. Just use it. Mm -hmm. And he said that. I just like, I don't know, man. I just lost it. I was like, I'm done, y'all. I'm good. I'm I'm content. <laughs> <laughs> Just content. Beautiful feeling right there. Yeah.